Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring you literary goodness wherever you are. Today, I welcome Shelley Burr. Shelley is the winner of the CWA Debut Dagger Award with Wake, an alumni of the ACT Writers' Centre Hard Copy Program in 2018, and a Varuno Fellow. Oh, that's interesting. I need to ask you about that. When not writing, she works at the Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment. She lives in Canberra, but grew up splitting her time between Newcastle and Glen Rowan, where her father's family are all sheep farmers which is all going to come into play I think in the creation of this book Wake is Shelley's first novel congratulations on your debut novel Wake it is just such a beautiful looking book yeah thank you so much and it's fantastic to be here I love this podcast oh thank you (laughs) I like it when people (laughs) say that (laughs) I was just saying to you off air before that I just loved all the different covers of this book it just made me be so intrigued by it i got the one with the completely black cover with just like the wake and the background sort of cut out in the words and i just went oh what is this about i have to read this and i don't think that was the cover that went out into the world but then that cover's incredible too i mean they say don't judge a book by its cover but you always do right yeah i'm really thrilled with the cover the, um, the black one, it went out to early readers um, as something a bit special. There was a special. double cover because they hadn't revealed the cover yet. So mm-hmm. so people could put pictures on um, social media. They had that black one. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people really loved that one. And I got all of these comments, oh, the cover's so fabulous. And I had to say, oh, actually, that's not the cover. That's not the cover. That's just, that's just the ARC cover. But um, but it's very cool. So beautiful. It is. They yeah. are. It's really cool. I love it. I and was it's just so different. happy. Mm, it's really different. It stands out. Now, as I said, congratulations. It must feel amazing to have this debut novel out in the world. But give us an elevator pitch as to what Wake is about. Sure. Um, so Wake is the story of Mina McCreary, whose twin sister Evelyn disappeared from their shared bedroom when they were nine years old. Um, uh, in the present day, Mina's now an anxious and reclusive adult who lives alone on the family's destock sheep farm in uh, central New South Wales. The case of Evelyn's disappearance is still unsolved and has since become just one of those um, really famous obsessions of your true crime enthusiasts and amateur sleuths. Um, <clears throat> Mina is approached by Lane Holland, a private investigator who wants her help to reinvestigate the case. He says that he's after the um, very large financial reward attached to any new information on the case, but he's got his own secrets and obsessions. Mm, I love that. It's all very complex too. And I just, I mean, the premise, the start of it, you know, twins in a bedroom, nine-year-old, one goes missing. A, it's an absolute 
every parent's worst nightmare, but it's just mm-hmm. very intriguing, you know, and then how that other twin that wasn't taken, how that impacts their life. Like I just found that fascinating. Great opener. Yeah, there's something fascinating about a, um, a, a twin that becomes a singleton um, mm. because it's it's just a fascinating relationship to begin with and then to compound that with grief is, um, you know, it's very intriguing. It is really intriguing because it's almost that, like that loss of that mirror image of self, which, you know, you can't, if you're not a twin, you can't even begin to imagine what that's like. Absolutely. Now, set in a small farming community, you know, this is where we come back to possibly your experience where your father's family are all sheep farmers. Tell me about setting. I know in crime novels, setting is so important. It's almost as important as the crime and the characters itself. So tell me why, why did you set it in this small farming community? Did you draw on your own experiences and how is this setting so important to the novel? Absolutely. Nanine, the town that the book is set in, it's fictional. Um, I didn't think it was fair to take a real town and layer Destroy these elements it. over the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nanine, it's very much fictional. Um, but it, I did draw on elements of real towns. Um, I certainly used one as a base just to check certain things. Um, I'm terrible at geography, so I needed to be able to actually drop a pin into a map and figure out how long it would take to drive various places and, um, you know, what was reasonable in terms of what weather you'd see at certain times of year. And um, But I certainly drew on those experiences growing up in Glenrowan. Um, my grandparents' farm wasn't actually even in Glenrowan. It was... Glen Rowan was going to town like they were in a place called West Greta um, and it was just this incredible experience as a child to go out there and be able to wander the paddocks and get lost for hours in the bush and just look around yourself and realize that you were the only person potentially for kilometers and that isolation is very fascinating and like you said that there's always um Setting's always very important in crime fiction. And I think that there's this fascination with, you know, Australian settings at the moment and those very remote settings because it's both beautiful in terms of it's a a fascinating environment to describe and there is this very stark beauty in it, but it's also very dangerous. Mm -hmm. It adds this extra layer of tension to everything because every danger is heightened because there's no help coming. You need to be able to take care of yourself to a certain degree. You need to understand that, you know, if you do get hurt or injured, that the nearest help, it's not a matter of calling an ambulance, it's calling a helicopter or calling a plane or, you know, even in some cases needing to evacuate yourself and everything becomes more complicated. And that was just really fascinating to delve into. Mm, Absolutely. (laughs) I think that The isolation, I made the decision first that it needed to be very isolated because of that element to the story of the disappearance of it just being this impossible situation of what on earth could have happened to her in this extremely isolated place. Like it's like she's just disappeared. And so, you know, in trying to set out the story, I realised very early on that it needed to be somewhere very remote, very isolated So from Mm. there, I drew on those experiences to build up the setting. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love how setting is so important in crime and that isolation just immediately sets you up <laughs> for a crime. There's no help coming, people. There is none. Probably no service, you know, all those things that make it even more terrifying. Um, mm. You know, setting really adds to that. Now, I like how Wake is, in a way, it's a story about trauma and how trauma impacts people when they become public property, if you like, and then how you how that impacts you as an adult, you know, that trauma as a child. And that really interests me because I feel that trauma impacts people differently and people come out of it differently. So how did you explore that in the novel? Trauma is definitely something that's affecting just about every character in the book. And having so many characters that are living with the after effects of trauma let me explore a lot of different ways that people respond to it. Um, like Mina, for example, is a very isolated character and she tries to protect herself by trying to withdraw from anything that feels threatening to her. Um, her mother, on the other hand, reacted more by becoming very aggressive in pursuit of the truth during her life. So, you know, she was more of a fighter in response to trauma and you know there's various other characters throughout who react in different ways um and so that was really interesting because like in early drafts of it one thing that I really struggled with when I was working with like beta readers and editors is that I would get comments about querying just how irrational some of the behaviour of the characters was, that it was really difficult to believe. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that was really important to me as part of the story is to look at the ways that trauma makes irrational behaviour look like a sensible choice, or in yeah. some cases it even is a sensible choice. And so it wasn't a case of needing that feedback telling me that I needed to change the behaviour. It was that I needed to be clearer that um, I know that they're being irrational. In some cases, even they know that they're being irrational, but it's still a rational choice that they've made to behave that way. Mm. And that's what I find really interesting about trauma because you were talking about the two characters and how differently they'd responded, but that's they're both very justifiable. Like you understand mm. why both of those people, one's turned inward, one's, you know, become aggressive because, you know, they're both valid, you know. So I, I find that really interesting. And I do like the idea of, um, you know, because I don't think when you are experiencing trauma at, at that level that you are thinking rationally and I think you are very driven by emotions and so therefore your actions might appear to be over the top or irrational, but you're not really thinking you know, rationally when you're experiencing such huge trauma, right? So it's probably quite true. Exactly. There's a lot of instinct at play mm. and um, instinct can drive us to do all sorts of different things, both to protect ourselves and the people around us. Mm. I'm really interested in your journey of publication. I mean, I love I love speaking to debut novelists because it's just such a different experience than when you're up to, you know, your 10th novel. And you were winner of the CWA Debut Dagger Award with Wake, which is amazing. But tell me your journey of writing this, winning, what happened? Tell me all of it. Yeah, certainly. It's been a really surreal couple of years because I set out, you know, I first got the idea for Wake. Um, I was reading a bunch of forum posts, um, you know, I'm, 
there is a theme throughout the novel of these forum posts of strangers discussing the events of the novel online. Um, and I was in a very similar forum just reading through it and, you know, wasn't intending to find ideas for a novel. I was just, you know, having a brief obsession. Um, and so I had the, the spark of inspiration while reading a conversation that, you know, particularly I found particularly unsettling about how the brother of a murder victim was being discussed. And so from that initial spark, I really quickly um, became sort of obsessed with this book. Um, I read, wrote the first draft in a real tearing hurry. Um, it was about, um, about 35,000 words in the first month of working on it. And, um, and I think part of it was because, like, the idea was almost frightening to me. Like I wanted this, these pictures out of my head and onto the page. And um, <clears throat> so I was quite, um, it was quite a quick process um, pushing out that first draft. I really wish that my second was going that quickly. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out how to recapture that initial lightning in a bottle and it's not happening. But um, so from when I had the first draft, I sort of started to think, you know what, I actually feel like I've got something here. I'm really fascinated with those, this idea. It seems to be coming together. And so I, um, I went out for a, um, I went out for a um, manuscript development program that used to run here in the ACT through the Writers' Centre called Hard Copy. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't run anymore, which is a real shame because it was a really amazing program that, um, you know, was the, the start for a lot of really great authors who were debuting in the past couple of years. Um, and the, the structure of that was it was just a year long. We met for a couple of weekends here in Canberra and um, just learned about how to do things like self-edit, but also about the business of publishing. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, I sort of found myself not really sure where to go with it next. I wasn't at a place where I felt ready to send it out to publishers. Um, I didn't think that it, it was ready as a manuscript. And you know, to be honest, I wasn't really ready to start getting rejections. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I thought a good in-between stop would be unpublished manuscript awards, um, not necessarily the kind like the Vogels that lead to publication if you win, but just ones that, um, you know, would go into the bio or would give me some feedback. And so I entered a couple of them really just to give myself the... Um, a bit of a kick up the butt to get things polished a bit more. I really work well with a deadline. So um, I entered the, the CWA debut dagger, which is actually one that's run out of the UK. And around the same time I entered one here in Australia, the Kill Your Darlings Unpublished Manuscript Award. And that second one was a really amazing experience because as part of the shortlist, um, we all went together to Varuna in the Blue Mountains. Mm, we spent I love the week that together. Place. That's amazing. It's amazing. It? Mm, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And so 
So we spent that week together and I got a lot of really amazing feedback on it and was just able to really dig deep into what wasn't working about the manuscript and, you know, what its strengths were, because that's really hard when you're just working on something on your own to figure out not just what's not going right, but what actually is working and shouldn't be cut. Because (laughs) there are times where it all looked the same to me and Mm. it was just, you know, like I don't know what's broken and what's, you know. So so that was probably the most important week in the whole manuscript development. It was it just indescribably um, important to get to spend that time. But with the Unpublished Manuscript Award, the, the point was that we would spend that week at Varuna, then we would go away with all of that feedback, we would rewrite the manuscript and we would submit it again for consideration for the actual award itself. And the day that it was due, I was up half the night, you know, getting in last minute changes and so forth. Um, And I sent it in at eight o'clock that morning. About quarter past eight, I found out that I'd won the debut dagger. Oh my God. So so I I found out on Twitter that I'd won um, (laughs) because the the award ceremony was held in the UK. Wow. I'm a terrible flyer, so they strongly encouraged me to come. But I was like, that is a long way to fly to watch somebody else win this award. So oh, I passed. My <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I'm sitting there um, having submitted the revised draft to Kill Your Darlings like wow. 15 minutes ago and um, just this totally surreal morning because I still had to get dressed and go to work, like, you know, I... <laughs> I took the bus to work, just like vibrating out of my seat that this had all happened. So I sent them an email and I still remember the opening line of that email that I sent them. It was like, quick update. I've just won the debut tag. <laughs> they emailed back and they said, the Killian Darling's unpublished manuscript is only for writers that haven't won another award. So you are now you know not eligible to win which fair enough like I was being pretty cheeky um, <laughs> knowing that I was entered in this other award um you don't but, know do you I don't think you can yeah entering doesn't you know mean you can't enter yeah. other things yeah so like the um the award went to Sam Van Zweden whose book is amazing like in all likelihood she would have won either way um <clears throat> but yeah that was <laughs> just the strangest morning um, and your actual question was about publication. I've gotten sidetracked into talking about these awards. Following the debut dagger, um, there was kind of this, um, there was a lot of interest from publishers wanting to see it, but it really wasn't ready yet. Um, I probably could have sent it out and I did send it to, um, I sent it to one of the agents that was associated with the award and um, I found that, you know, the fact that the debut DAG was on my query would get it looked at very quickly, but it didn't necessarily mean that publishers would overlook a flawed manuscript. If anything, it just got me the answer quicker. And, <laughs> you know, the answer that. that manuscript, how it was at the time, was rightfully no. <laughs> um, so I... Um, so by this point, it's 2020, which um, 
you know, was a great year to be a writer in. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so at that point, I thought this book still needs needs more work. Um, there was some interest. There were people who wanted to see it, but it really wasn't ready to go out yet. And I am really glad that I took extra time and didn't immediately send it out because there was kind of a feeling like internally that I have to take advantage of this quickly. Like Mm -hmm. people are going to lose interest next year. There'll be another winner and, you know, nobody will care. And that really wasn't the case. Um, You know, there was no need for me to worry about that. But um, throughout 2020, I continued to um, rework and revise it until I got to a point where I really was, you know, it's never 100% the book that you want it to be, but I felt like I'd gotten it as close as I ever was going to get and I was really happy with where it ended up. And so um, I met my agent, Sarah McKenzie, through the Australian Society of Authors um, pitching event that they hold a couple of times a year. And she, um, she read it. She loved it. She had some notes. We made some minor edits. And then she sent it out. And she sent it out and she told me, you know, it'll be a couple of weeks, you know, maybe six weeks. We might hear something. And it was actually only a couple of days before she started to get publishers back wanting to talk to me so from this point it was like and um I'd been told so many times that it doesn't happen like this like you know (laughs) lower your expectations you know but um yeah it was really amazing because we got a very quick response and ended up having three publishers that were interested wow um yeah so that was that was really amazing because it's it meant that I Quite a journey, got... isn't it? Yeah, quite <laughs> yeah. a journey of the winning and then the retracting another one and then the finding the agent and the rewriting and that week at Verona just sounds magical. I knew it was magical and now you've just proven that it is absolutely magical and it makes such a difference to your manuscript. Now, Shelley, if you have listened to this podcast, you know what's coming, right? So the question is, <laughs> why do you write? I would quit if I could. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it does feel very compulsive to me. Um, I just don't think I could be happy if it wasn't something I was um, doing regularly. Like I mentioned before about how quickly I wrote the first draft of Wake because um, there were times where I couldn't sleep unless the scene that was tormenting me unless I got it out of my brain and onto the page. So I, I don't think it's a choice. I think I have to write. Mm, absolutely. You're talking about, you know, it, it, it can be quite a therapeutic sort of way to, you know, from out of, out of your normal existence to go and write something. So I love that, how you couldn't sleep and you had to get it out of your head. I think, I think we've all been there in some way trying to get that thought out of your head. That's great. I love that. I love your journey. And, you know, for a debut book, this book is just incredible read. You know, I think um, there used to be this sort of idea that debut books read like debut books, but I just don't think that's true anymore. You know, I think that Mm. they're so, um, you know, they're so well-written and slick these days, but I just loved Wake. I just thought it was such a great crime novel. I'm a big fan of crime novels. And so, you know, when I first saw this cover, I was like, all right, 
right, I need to explore this, even though you're not meant to judge, you know, books by their covers, you do. <laughs> and, um, you know, then it was just such this great, this amazing read. And you've got some amazing, um, you know, people on the back as well. You know, Fiona Hazard saying, grief and guilt, secrets and lies all combine to make this a gripping debut that we are thrilled to publish. Like, that's pretty amazing having having those comments there. So thank her. Thank you so much, Shelley, for your time and for writing this book and sharing your journey with me. Thank you.